0: Try it again. Good morning Hey welcome to Providence. My name is Joseph and I serve on staff as one of the pastors here. Uh, if you are a guest, we want you to know that we're glad that you're here with us. We also want you to know that Providence is a community of people that is formed around a single and compelling vision, and that is to make the gospel of Jesus unignorable in our city. And so to that end, we teach from the Bible every week because we believe it's been given to us that we might know worship and obey Jesus. And so today we're in a standalone sermon. Uh, We're gonna have a guest speaker and I'll introduce him here in a little while. And today the passage that we're gonna be hearing from can be found in Ephesians chapter two. We're gonna read verses 11 through 21. And if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to try and find one of the hardbacks. uh, We have some hardback Bibles in a few seats around you, perhaps in front of you. Uh, And if you don't own a Bible, please take one of those home with you. We'd love for you to have that as our gift. You can write your name in it uh, if you don't own a copy of the Scriptures. And again, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 11 through 21. And once you're there, if you don't mind, out of the reverence for the Word of God, or out of reverence for the Word of God, would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 11, hear the Word of the Lord. Therefore, remember For through him we have both, or we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. As I said before, we have a guest speaker with us today, and his name is Bryant Lee. Uh, Bryant is a friend of mine. He and I have known each other for, I guess, over a decade now. And uh, he is uh, a fellow pastor in in the Acts 29 Network, which is a family of churches that that Providence belongs to. Um, Bryant is originally from St. Louis, Missouri. He has been married to his wife, Dell, for 28 years. They have four kids and three grandchildren together. Uh, Bryant is a former, uh, he he served in the military, he's a former uh, part of the army. Uh, He served there for 23 years, so he is a a decorated soldier. Uh, One of the interesting things about Bryant's testimony is that Bryant was actually a former Muslim. Uh, and so Christ saved him, and not only did He save him and draw him unto Himself, but He also called him to be a preacher and a church planter. And so, 12 years ago, Brian and his wife Dell moved into the Humble area, and they planted Higher Expectations Church. And Higher Expectations is in kind of the inner city area of Humble. It's an underserved, underprivileged area of, of our area, of our city, of our community. And they they moved in there 12 years ago and began to plant Higher Expectations Church of of where he he serves as a pastor now. And uh, many of us aren't aware of this, and and I said this in the 9 a.m. gathering, I'll say it now, this is not uh, to any fault of Bryant's or Higher Expectations. It's really our fault and and a lack of communication to you guys, but uh, we've actually been in partnership with Higher Expectations for a little over a year now. Uh, Providence Community Church actually gives Pastor Bryant and Higher Expectations uh, upwards of $1,000 a month to help support the ministry and the work that they do there and uh, the work that they do there is pretty incredible. There's, there's hardly a church in the area that I know that is of the, the size that Higher Expectations is that does such a good job in serving the needs of our community and serving the needs in the schools and doing things like that. And uh, Pastor Brian actually oversees something that he calls the Collaborative Fellowship, which is a church-planting residency that focuses on men that desire to plant churches in underserved, underprivileged neighborhoods and kind of inner-city communities. And uh, a lot of the money that we give to them goes towards that end. As a matter of fact, they're getting ready to plant a church on the other side of 59 in the Kinswick neighborhood with a man named Dion Archer. And a lot of the money that we've given has gone directly to fund and form that church plan. I'll let Brian tell you more about that if he desires to here in a little while. But I want you guys to know I'm sharing that so that way you know whenever Brian comes up here and speaks, although for some of you it's your first time to meet meet him, he's very much a part of our family. and we are, anytime you give and you serve, or anytime you give uh, generously to Providence, we always say that the money doesn't just stay here, we send a lot of it out. As a matter of fact, we send 11% of our operating budget out every year for the work of church planning. And a portion of that goes to what they're doing. And so um, you're gonna see some of the fruit of, of what we've been sowing into, and Bryant coming and speaking. And uh, he did a great job in the 9 a.m. service. I'm gonna pray over him and uh, invite him up here now. So Brian, could you come up here? And you guys give Brian a hand clap. I'm going to lay hands on Brian. If you guys don't mind, if you feel comfortable extending your hands and praying for him with me, it'd be great. Father, we come before your throne of grace, and we humble ourselves in your side, and we thank you, God, for the grace and the mercy that has been poured out to us and shown to us so clearly in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that you would, through your word, make Christ beautiful this morning, Lord God. Yes. I pray that as Brian Steps up here and preaches your word, God. I pray that he would do it with boldness, with courage, with conviction, with clarity. God, we pray that Christ would be glorified, that the saints would be edified, and those that do not know you, God, would be drawn unto you as your word is high and lifted up, Lord God, and as we seek to lift up Jesus and talk about the reconciling work of Christ on the cross and in the church today. So I pray, Lord God, that you would give him the strength. You would give him the wisdom, and you would fill him with power from on high, Lord God. The Holy Spirit would come and animate Pastor Bryant as he speaks the word to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen, thank amen.
1: Well, thank you guys for having me. And again, I'm going to move this. It's my OCD, ACD, ABC, LMNOP. All that work together. <laughs> and uh i want to thank you guys um actually guys in the booth i i have a couple of slides i didn't show earlier so nervous this morning at 9 a.m uh i'm with the great joseph turner you guys have a great pastor and uh brother court morley and i just was you know my wife was here you know whenever she's here i'm just like a hundred miles an hour you know so i was just getting it in getting it in and so um but I do before I get too far because I forgot this morning. I don't want to forget this evening. Uh, I, I have like three slides. I like just just for you guys to see with me real quickly. If we can put those up, is that possible? Okay, Amen. And so, uh, but there. Did Joe give you the other three slides? Okay. Amen. If you, if you can move those, that'll be good. I just want those guys to see. Okay, so the collaborative fellowship, I want to tell you a little bit about that. We're going to hop into the sermon. I promise I won't be long. Uh, well, it really depends on you guys whether or not I'll be long. If you're like, hmm, then I'm going to be kind of long. No. So the collaborative fellowship the collaborative fellowship is an urban inner city church planting collective uh, uh, that, that I started. What, 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 what happened was simply this. Year. I had the privilege of being in the army, going to seminary, all that. I started meeting a lot of guys who were trying to plant churches who were, they were under-resourced, under-educated, under-trained, they were just, you know, and when you go into an urban inner city area, high crime, high drugs, broken families, they were just out mad. And uh, And so we wanted to get them good theology alone with good practices, so orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and so uh, about five, six years ago, I started bringing guys into our small church and letting those guys walk with me for a year through an internship residency program, and then the best guys, you know, we would then kind of follow process, very similar to Acts 29 Network, and then we would send those guys out knowing that they were going to go into an urban, uh, inner-city neighborhood where uh, their, you know, uh, their name will probably never be in light, but they will serve that community well. And so that's the collaborative fellowship. So when you give to us at Higher Expectations Church, you're also giving to the collaborative fellowship. There's a guy by the name of Dion Archer. Uh, who is here, him and his lovely bride. He's gonna be planting Redeeming Word Community Church in an area called Kenswick Foxwood, which is just west of Deerbrook Mall. Now, uh, you can just go Google that, and what you'll quickly find is that is the area in Humble, Texas that has the highest rate of crime. Uh, and primarily because at uh, one of our elementary school called A.W. Jones, uh, it's an elementary school, I think we're close to about 800 kids, somewhere between 750 and 800 kids, 40% of those kids are at home with grandparents. Not with parents, they're being raised by their grandparents. And so it is a community where uh, roughly about 70% of the homes, uh, there, are, there is no male leadership. And so we want to we change that. And so, uh, and so that's the other big deal that we do. And then I just, I think I brought a couple of other pictures just to show some of the work. Uh, so this is our soccer field if you're ever going down Wilson Road you'll see the Waffle House we own that little bitty piece of property there across from Humble High School and so uh, we couldn't build a building but we were able to build a soccer field and a flag football field and so on any given day, you'll see kids out there playing soccer, flag football, this game they play with the frisbee, and so uh, that that's been really really good to see. I think they're doing the frisbee game now, and so and then on early on Sunday mornings, you'll drive by and you will see a group of men from from a variety of uh, Latino uh, dissent nations playing soccer. They have them have their shirts off, have them have their shirts on. And so that has given us an opportunity to engage people who otherwise we would not be able to engage, you know? And so when you guys first start giving, we were first getting started on this soccer field. You know, we did not know, you know, that you need things like water. Cause you know, I grew up in North St. Louis and we didn't have grass. We just figured the Lord would rain. will take care of the grass. And so we've been trying to figure that out. And so there's a community sit behind us of 96 apartments. There are almost uh, almost 700 people combined living in those 96 apartments. There's supposed to be a two-bedroom apartment. And some of those homes, there's as many as 10 people living in one 600-square-foot uh, home. So uh, so be praying for us as, as, we, as we reach out uh, in that community. And then there's one other slide. Uh, this is post Harvey. Uh, some of you may know this, may not know this. Right after Harvey, the first place we started as a base camp was right here at Providence. We were trying to figure out things, and guys was working speedily. Uh, and so uh, as time went on, we continued to serve. And through some partners and things like that, we were able to uh, do this huge clothing and shoe and food distribution at Ross Sterling Middle School, which is a Title I school where we happen to worship at. At this here event, we touched 368 families. That morning we had a uh, total combined with adults and kids. We had nearly 1,600 people come through and we're still following up with about 50 or 60 of those families and had had a couple of families matriculating to the church. But that work that you see here actually begun right out there in the lobby. You know, we didn't we didn't know what we were getting into. We thought it'd be just something quick, and we'd be done. And here we are, uh, right at a year later, still serving, still trying to figure it out for people who did not have any type of insurance or we're renters or when in fact we got a call just this week uh we we get calls every week we call this week from a family who you know they're just getting back into their home and just need a lot of help and so but your giving makes all that possible and so uh, a lot of those families actually came out of the kinswick foxwood area and so where we're planting so i just want to thank you guys for that so why don't give yourselves a big hand of praise amen because without your partnership this would not be possible amen now this morning uh I'm in Ephesians chapter two. This morning I took off running. I mean, I mean, man, look here. You would have thought, you'd have thought there were there were there were two pit bulls running behind me. And uh, at some point I looked over at my wife and her eyes was this big. I was like, I'm going too fast, right? Now, naturally, here's what I'm gonna tell you. I grew up in North St. Louis, a little area called Walnut Park. Uh, and you had to do you had to learn one of two things. either learn how to fight or you learn how to talk. Right? <laughs> But you got to figure out one or the other. You talk your way out of this here or a fight your way out. But one way or the other, you got to come out of it. And so, uh, no, I am grateful for Court and uh, Pastor Joy, their wives, Morgan and Emily, and their whole families. Uh, they've been such good friends. When you plant a church in a hard place, what you really needed some friends uh, by your side. And so you want to you make that happen. Uh, everything has been told about my background. You know about me. Let's just jump right in. And uh, I'll, try to, I'll try to be a little bit more uh, in line with the pace. Uh, I can see the clock now, so I know where I need to be. Uh, now, here's how this is going to work this morning. Amen. <sighs> if you're real quiet, I assume I'm not getting my point across. <laughs> so then I have to add some adjectives and some verbs. I have to stretch out this thing. But like good kinfolk, you know, that you want to leave, You start stretching out, start saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know how at night when you want somebody to leave the house, you just start rambling? If you ramble a few times with a few amens, I realize we're on the same sheet of music, and I pick it up just a notch, (laughs) and then we'll be be on our way up out of here. No, no, no. This morning, we want to talk about being better together. And so uh, I want to open up by talking to you a little bit about there was a soul singer, a Motown hit artist by the name of Marvin Gaye. And for many of us, when we hear Marvin Gaye's name, we think of one song, which is kids in here, we will not mention that song. But back in 1970, at the height of the Vietnam War, as it's coming to its conclusion, there's all this protest going on, there's all this stuff happening in our culture, pretty similar to what we see today. Marvin Gaye writes a song called What's Going On. It was the breakout hit that came on the heels of a nation living in what we deem the most hostile time to our country the song started off like this mother mother there's too many of you crying brother brother too far many of you dying you know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today I know some of y'all who are a little bit older than 30 you beginning to feel the vibe here father father you don't need to escalate you see war is not the answer only love can conquer Hey, I'm pretty sure he got that from Martin Luther King's speech. Uh, But nonetheless, it goes on. He says, you know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Rather than being a soul singer, some say Marvin Gaye could have easily been a soul winner. Why? Because he was the son of a Pentecostal preacher. And to some degree, his hit song had prophetic overtones to him. You see, wars, wars. You have wars and protests and racial tension and the like. And I know it sounds like we're not in 1970. It sounds like we're right here in 2018 because it's so familiar to what we describe our current national and international situation. An honest assessment of our current situation has to be that we're living in a world of constant tension and hostility. We're at a point now when uh, who would have ever thought that you could send your baby off to school and not know if they would come back home. You know, school was supposed to be this place where everything was safe and sound, and they came home, and they talked about little Johnny passing me a note saying, do you like me? Circle yes or no, but now we worry about whether or not to give our kids bulletproof backpacks and whatnot. Who would have thought that we would have lived in a time and day when you could get out your car not only be tased but be shot? Who would have thought that you could be sitting in your living room, and somebody who decides they don't want a job could just kick in your front door and decide to come? Who would have thought we would have had safe rooms in our home. That's the kind of times that we're living in today. And the reality is this, that there's a culture outside the church working overtime to set the agenda that can only be found in the pages of Scripture. If we're honest, we all have preferences and passions and liberty and general revelation. And additionally, let me just say, it's natural effect of living in a broken world. I would like it like this or you would like it like that. But God never intended for those on the outside of the church would influence us on the inside of the church. See, if we, if, if we really want to witness what biblical reconciliation and revival looks like in the church, we must, we must subscribe to a different worldview. You remember Jesus in John chapter 17, he prays around verse 21 that his church would be one. Now, raise your hand if I'm going too fast. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. All right. All right. All right. So watch this here. He prays that the church would be one, you know, and, and and we see when we get into the book of Ephesians, which is my favorite book of all the Bible, being a former Muslim, Ephesians is great because it has both doctrine and duty. It's Paul laying out the manifesto. He's running through this thing. He's he's shaking and moving in Ephesians. I mean, if you're a new believer, if you don't do anything else, go home and read Ephesians. It's just six short chapters, but it'll change your life. It is the gospel on on display before us, amen. It's Everything that you need, all wrapped up. Amen. I think this is the culmination of Paul's best work. Some would argue Romans, but I believe it's Ephesians. And he says here in Ephesians, he opens up in chapter one. He talks about the mystery of the gospel. He talks about he talks about this how, how how God is using it to unify all things unto Himself. He he in verse thirteen, chapter one, he calls it the gospel of your salvation. And so that we don't become puffed up in our own pride and confidence, Paul reminds us that we were once separated from God, dead in our sins. But God in Christ Jesus has made us alive again in Christ how did he do this imagine that you're on the hospital bed and the and the beep has gone in and they roll in Jesus shows up in a spiritual way he shocks your spiritual heart brings you to life amen and puts you on mission Paul reminds us of this here early on in the book of Ephesians that we that he has rescued us, Christ himself, and saved us by grace through faith. That God has, has rescued us from what? Not from our addiction, our sin. He's not rescued us from that and why those are good things to be delivered from. But he has rescued us from the wrath of God to come oh we missed this here because you know it's easy to make that's why I say I love Ephesians because it's doctrine and his duty it's easy to make it all about us it's easy to preach a practical sermon but we need to know that 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 when Paul lays this thing out he's reminding them don't be all into your feelings don't be all into yourself you are a rescued creature you're like that dog on the side of the road that's been hit by a car that somebody comes by and sees that you can't survive on your own picks you up and runs you to the nearest veterinarian clinic and gets you help that's you and I we have been rescued by God but Paul goes on to ensure that we're not only rescued we've been reconciled not just to God but to each other by the blood of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. That's why by the time he gets to chapter two, he drives home the point even more. You know, chapter two early on, he says dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins, walking according to the world, you know, tied to the passions of our own flesh. Chapter two reminds us of the goodness of God and his great mercy and love towards us. Look at verses four and five in chapter two. You got to see this here. I I told him at nine o'clock, sometimes when I read scripture, I I just cry. My life is a big fairy tale. I got the, I, I married the prettiest girl, you know, I got cool sons, you know, my daughters, amen, they're smart and, 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 and outgoing. I got these three great grandsons and I'm a guy that they said shouldn't not have lived to be 18. I've been going to funerals since I've been 12 years old. You know, I grew up on a block where it was like 12, 13, 14 of us, and it's probably only three of us still living. You know, so, so, so where I come from, hey amen, if you, if you live to be 18, they called you an OG. You got out the hood. Just go go research a YouTube Walnut Park St. Louis. You're gonna see the same deal over and over and over again. And yet God came and He rescued me. Not only did He rescue me, He rescued me at the worst time in my life. One Sunday morning with a bayonet in my hand. I walked into a Christian church to kill the pastor because he had led my wife to Christ. Yeah. Yeah, you're looking at somebody that God came and invaded his space and said, I'm bigger than you. I don't know where you live. I don't know your address, but I'm like, Mr. Rogers, you give me enough time, I'll get in your neighborhood, right? (laughs) And so why does he come to do that? Does he come to do that to make us good people? No, there's no one good, only Jesus. No, but he comes to reconcile us. And so look what he says in verse 4, chapter 2. He says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. He loved the unlovable. He came to the hopeless and became their hero. Even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. What's this drug we own in Christianity? It's called grace. Yeah, and we need so much more of it every day. We need so much more of it. But Paul not only reminds reminds us and them of our reckless attitude and actions towards God, he reminds us of our deep need to be redeemed and called us out to live like rescue people. Catch this. To live like rescue people before a watching world. In other words, the gospel causes us to live differently. The gospel causes us to reject our political views, our personal preferences, and look at the view of the gospel. Look at life through the lens of the gospel. The gospel says what is right. My life must be governed by something other than Rome. People say, whose side are you on? I say, I don't care who runs Rome. I'm for the kingdom. Oh, man, y'all ain't with me. That's okay, kinfolk. We coming. We coming. We coming. See, listen, we are challenged to embrace the multifaceted freedom found in biblical, say that with me, biblical reconciliation. And while while racial reconciliation is definitely a hot button in today's church and one that we cannot overlook, the black and white narrative we tend to focus on is good. However, God has a greater and much grander narrative at work. It's not just about black and white people getting along. Because I know some drug dealers that get along. Oh yeah, it's not, it's, 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 not, it's, not, it's not just about that. Amen. It is the idea of a people unlike any other in the earth. It is a gathered collective. So as we roll into the sex this morning, our hope this morning, we can clearly see that God has something else in mind. So here in verse number 11, if you'll read that with me, hey amen, you, you know, keep your phone on, keep your, keep your Bible open. Just make sure the preacher's right, amen. Look what he says here. He says, therefore, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. Don't you love the way Paul keep punching you in the face? Just over and over and over again, Paul just lets you know you ain't all that. I'm just going to keep, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you were a kid for guys, you had that friend walk up to you and just kind of punch you in the stomach off guard. You know, Paul, that's Paul. He just, keep, he just keeps sucker punching you when you don't see it coming, you know. <clears throat> He says he says he reminds them he says you were gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands remember that you were at times separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of Israel and strangers to the covenant of God Pro- having no hope and without God in the world he says listen remember How horrible your life was even when you thought it was good without God. Remember that before Christ came and rescued you and, and reconciled you unto himself, you were hopeless, you were dead, you were up out of here. And see, you say, Pastor Brian, why do you bring all that up? Because, because what Paul reminds them is that there is a vertical reconciliation, it's the ingredient to real and lasting hope. In other words, I told him this morning, you can have the best earth Jordans, but you still ain't got no hops. In other words, you're, think about all the things you did to try to get to God. Think about all the all the hoops you jumped through before God rescued you. That you tried to no. Here's the vertical. Here's the vertical best at work. You couldn't get to God on your own, so God came down to you. God says, no matter how high you jump, Amen. You can't get to me. I I, I watched the other night. I, I, I watched one of the rockers look like he jumped out the gym. He couldn't jump high enough to get to God, so God had to come to him. So, 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 and so, so it's this vertical relationship with God, amen, that should so transform our lives, that should make us so different, that should make us look at the world in such a different way that it so impresses upon us something different, amen. See, biblical reconciliation requires barriers to be removed. It requires, see, verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Just so you know, I got a little education, got a little theological background. Let me help you out. Look what he says here. He says, uh, scholars will tell you that in the first century, in temple where Jews worshiped, there were a series of courts separated by gated walls. And each court moved progressively closer and closer to the Holy of Holies. That was the place where the priests hung out, where only the special could go, where only what they would call the unstained could go. Now, you know, nobody was unstained. You know, it was just everybody putting on the front. It's like Sunday morning at church. It's Halloween every Sunday. We all put on our best mask. We roll up in this joint like we got it together. We all all could be a superhero. Right? So look what he says. He says the first gate was the gate of the Gentiles. And you could walk around in that court if you were a God-fearing Gentile. So in other words, as a Gentile, you could, you know, you, you, you wasn't circumcised. You know, you, you didn't have the law. You didn't have, you didn't, you, you weren't from, you weren't from the, you weren't from Moses' tribe, the tribe of Israel. But you could walk around this, this large outer gate. In other words, it was really what you call a spiritual caste system. But then it says, That if you was a Jewish woman who was ceremonially clean, right, according to Jewish law, you could enter the next gate and go into the inner court, but not yet to the holy of holies. Beyond that lay the gate of the innocent court where only Jewish men who were ceremonially clean could go without fear of death. Did you see what's happening here? In other words, man has set up all these systems, amen, that really at that time because of laws and because of ceremonial stuff really kept people from coming to God. But what we learn in biblical reconciliation that God, watch this here, God is the wrecking ball, Jesus, on the cross through his redemptive work. He knocks all the walls down and says, you now have full access. So biblical reconciliation starts with a relationship with the person and work of Jesus Christ. And because of that, that moves us from a vertical reconciliation where we like to just put our hands up and cry out and have holy moments with God. And then God says, "Okay, when you finish crying, when you finish singing, now I need some horizontal reconciliation to happen. In other words, when you finish with all of that he says now you need some horizontal recreation, uh, reconciliation to happen because Jesus has torn down the physical wall for Christ has made us one and he's done all of this a good rate. Christ not only made peace between sinners and God but he also made peace between Jews and Gentiles he took sinful Jews and sinful Gentiles and through his cross made a new man called the church not only have you been rescued, redeemed, and brung back to life? You've been in spiritual plastic surgery. God looked at you and said, you don't look right. In other words, I'm not going to make a Frankenstein. I'm going to make something way better than that. I'm going to merge you two together, and I'm going to make a church. I'm going to merge something that you could not do on your own. Right, And that's why the power of the Holy Spirit rests, rules, and abides in our lives. And so by the time we get to verses 15 through 17, look what he says in, in these verses. Man, they're so powerful that they should just lift and make you, make you just want to get up and run. Wouldn't that be awesome if somebody just got up like in a Pentecostal church and started running around? Joy, huh? so somebody say, tackle them, tackle them. <laughs> Every now and then I mess with my church i just go to speaking in tongues on Sunday morning to see if anybody going to say something. they would be like, oh, my God, what is pastor doing up there? <laughs> Look what he says here in verses 15 through 17. Look at this amazing text. He says, by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinance that he might create for himself one new man in place of the two. So make him peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Here's Here's what I submit to you. God has a bigger picture than just black and white people getting along. We know this is true because the Bible tells us in Genesis he's created us all in his image and likeness. But then he tells this dude, Abraham, out of you I'm going to make all nations. All nations would have had to, con- had to include not just the Jewish nation who has not yet been formed, but all nations. And so we know that's true because in the beginning of the book and at the end of the book, we see the same, we see the same paranarrative being played out, that God is gathering a collection of people to himself. And what he wants from that collection of people, he wants that collection of people to live in such a way that the outside world looks at them and says, I want some of that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be on that team. Now, if we're honest, we all was Rockets fans right up to about the middle of the third quarter last night. <laughs> right when the wheels came out, we started thinking, man, that yellow and blue don't look too bad. You know? Yeah everybody wants to be on a winning team but here's the winning team and so and so he goes from this vertical relationship that we found in Christ but he says by making one new man by removing ourselves he begins to talk about a horizontal relationship a horizontal reconciliation places on display and demonstrates the power of the cross to a hurting and lost and dying world you know why this young black Muslim black nationalist could not come to the Christian church because I did not see a church that loved God and got alone See, I grew up in a black neighborhood, so there was nothing there but black churches. And one white missionary couple, the Rayburns. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Rayburns, look here, they was beast mode. (laughs) Miss Rayburn, every Wednesday made Rice Krispie Treats. You smelled them jokers 10 blocks away. We were like rats coming to cheese, you know. And she had a real simple system. You come on the front porch, and she's going to teach you a little Bible story. Then you get a Rice Krispie Treat right so look for years man that was it we go to the Rayburns the Rayburns lived in that neighborhood when urban sprawl happened that's when all the white folk left the black people stayed and we were always was we every I mean it got to a point where you thought they were going to leave you know the son was killed in that neighborhood you know the daughters married guys well started having babies with guys was at some point this old white couple they got to leave they died in that neighborhood Not just so black and white people can get along, so that lost people can be reconciled back to Christ. Yes. Yes, see, 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 their vision wasn't that, amen. They wanted to see, they wanted to see people who was enemies against God become, because they already had a vertical relationship, but your vertical relationship should have some horizontal, some horizontal impact. Because of this relationship with God, you should see some horizontal impact. You should see some things happening that you normally don't see. Notice in the text that he doesn't leave all the work on the Jews and Gentiles and on Christ. He says, because the wall has been torn down, he's made the two one, he's removed hostility which means that 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 did not get along can now get along. And it was not just about it was not just about the the hue and color of skin. It was about watch this here. It was about people who had been at odds with God. See, when God states he's creating one new man, he's indeed reminding you and I that we are better together that we cannot be the church. We cannot get caught up in Rome's arguments and be the church. We cannot get caught up in political pondering and be the church. We cannot get caught up in the foolishness that the world is caught up in. Don't get me wrong, we all have those moments when we forget how many of you have ever gave somebody that finger, I mean, you know, wave (laughs) that cut you off. We all have those moments but immediately the Holy Spirit should come to burn us and we should see life in a different world through a different set of lenses. So here he talks to us about first vertical reconciliation with Christ, then horizontal reconciliation with those other brothers and sisters in Christ. Did you see that? You know, the problem that we have a lot of times, we're trying to reconcile with people, have, have biblical reconciliation with people who are not in Christ. It's impossible, two different world views. But he says, because we are in Christ we can have a different lifestyle a different mix a different means and I'll be glad when we start realizing that was everything that happens in the world is not happening to the church and vice versa that he has such a bigger picture for what he wants to see his church look like and if we would gravitate towards that amen we would see something amazing happen and I feel like I'm an expert to talk about it because from the time I could remember a man being a young man I was all into the black nationalist doctrine I mean I told him earlier I mean like we we would say stuff like this I'm just sure how crazy it would be how, how indoctrinated you gotta be we would say why are there black letters on white paper or why are all the bad guys wearing black suits and all the heroes wear white suits you know like in uh, the Lone Ranger you see 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 the ner- so messed up so messed up that's why the gospel is so important because it straightens us out it shows us that, that God has something bigger and better in mind. And what God has is what I like to call something even greater. I call it the, the, the Christocentric reconciliation. You say, Pastor Lee, where did you get that word from? I don't know. Maybe I made it up, but I put two words together, and here we are. Amen. Look what he says. He says, so then, verse 19 in your Bibles, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Why? Because the gospel has come and reconciled us to Christ and each other. We can't fix the world until we can fix the church. Listen, the world don't believe our testimony because our testimony, amen, is kind of shady in the church. The world don't believe we're real because we can't get along with each other. And sometimes in the same church, we can't get along. So look what he says. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Look what he says, he says. He says, your citizenry has changed. You're no longer aliens. You're no longer an outcast. You're now part of the household of faith built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple in the Lord. In him, also are being, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Don't you love the way that reads? He says, listen, he says, Christ is the concrete and the cement that holds all this stuff together. Christ is the glue that's keeping you. Christ is the glue that makes, that makes what, is, what was once impossible possible. See, our reconciliation, rescue, and ultimate redemption is not based on us just getting along, but on Christ himself, because sinners know how to get along. Think about when you were sinning. Come on. Some of us can go just back to just last night, and some of us got to go back a little bit further. But think about it. You knew how to get along with other sinners. We had this common bond. He says, he says, but our common bond is Christ. It's not the sin that we're committing together. He says, and he's reconciling us together in Christ, in each other for the, his own glory, that a world might see a reconciled church and say, I want to run after that. Look here. Christ is the concrete and cement that holds us together. There's a song that children used to sing, and I believe it's correct. It used to say, said, God holds the whole world together in his hand but may I add that he holds the church in his heart you say hold up pastor where did you get that from he holds the whole world in his hand but he has the church in his heart John 17 21 amen look what he says he prays in his high priestly prayer for our oneness that they may be one just as you father are in me I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Until the church can reconcile itself, until the world sees biblical reconciliation and love in the church, they do not believe our message. They question us. That's why I love Ephesians, orthodoxy, orthopraxy. Your theology being put into practice. How many of you remember the Lord's Prayer? I'm going to see if you're better than the uh, earlier service, the 9 o'clock crowd. Okay, I'm going to count to three. Then collectively, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Amen. I'm going to see if y'all better. I'm going to see if y'all better. Amen. Pastor Joy can let them know next week who was the better crowd. Amen. Y'all ready? The Lord's Prayer. One, two, three. Man, let's give ourselves a big hand of praise. <laughs> woo Boy, this here, you know the Bible is open up at Providence Church. Woo! <laughs> you know what stands out to me in Matthew 6, 9 through 13? It's verse 10. Verse 10, look what he says. Your kingdom come, your will be done, catch this, on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, he says heaven already got it right. So if I want to take my clues about how I should live in concert in the community with other believers and non-believers, I need to take my clues from heaven and not from earth. Amen. God desires so much more for us than we could ever want for ourselves. We often get stuck in what I call the cultural conundrum or cul-de-sac where God has a kingdom view for us to embrace you see I served in the army for over 20 years went to combat a couple of times and in a foxhole with another man you really get close to somebody you really learn how to live in community because your mere survival depends on it but what you learn there in that foxhole is something real simple amen you learn learn that all the things that you've studied all the doctrines of war you learn that they all come to life really quickly and you quickly realize that we need each other there's coming a day when all of our singing, all of our shouting, and all our practice in this life will place you and I in real time before the very throne of God. And the question is, do we long for such a day? John on the island of Patmos shared with us a vision of unhindered joy in Jubilee in Revelation 7, and 9-12. 7, through 12. John says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, not just black and white, from all tribes, not just this or that, from all peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then he says, not only were there people all around worshiping him, there were angels, they were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might to our God forever and ever and ever. That's what's happening in heaven. It is the worship and celebration of a true and living God. There's a song I learned. And I learned it late Pastor Joy, because you know I didn't grow up in church. And the song says, we are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. We're one in the spirit. We're one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by what? By our love,
0: by our love, by our love. May God bless you.